very warm welcome to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Aram, it's good to have you on Blitz Business. Hi Ashish, uh, it's a pleasure that, uh, for inviting me over here today. Awesome. So Aram, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll talk about your venture. Sure, uh, Ashish. Uh, so, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, the con- uh, I have a very sort of unconventional career, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, where I, co- I come from. Uh, so, uh, you know, till ninth standard, I was uh, was born and, uh, you know, was raised by, uh, you know, my grandparents in a village in Haryana uh, because, uh, you know, my father was kind of uh, trying out uh, hands on the business and uh, he was trying to set up the business uh, and then that's why he was you know traveling most of the times uh, so you know that was there and then in 10th standard i finally moved to delhi uh, and did my schooling from 10th to 12th over here so it, it was a huge transition for me you know from seeing uh, you know nothing in the village you know where i haven't watched a single movie you know to you know getting exposed to a city like delhi so it was a, a sort of a transition for me. Uh, as uh, every parent expects you to become, uh, my parents and everybody in the family wants me to become an engineer. So I also kind of had that same thought process as my family uh, that, okay, let's just become my engineer. And uh, so I started preparing for ITJ. Couldn't clear it. Uh, you know, my rank wasn't uh, sufficient for to kind of you know, take that mission. Uh, I dropped a year, went to Kota, uh, tried again my hands, uh, got a better position, but again, uh, couldn't kind of uh, get into the top league colleges. So I eventually end up joining a, you know, tier one college uh, uh, and started doing mechanical engineering over there. Uh, so while I was doing mechanical engineering, I got excited about uh, things which I can do with that, uh, you know, specifically it was real physics and a lot of, uh, you know, experimentative, uh, you know, practical based sort of uh, opportunities that I could see, uh, you know, you know, and I tried to capitalize on everything that I could do over there, considering I was coming from a background where I hadn't seen anything before. Uh, and I was glad that I got the opportunities as well, uh, whether it's making a F1 car to making uh, robots, uh, also, you know, doing internships in companies like Hindustan Aeronautics Limited, where, you know, I saw the entire manufacturing of a jet plane to also join DRDO, uh, where I could design the, you know, uh, structure of how the, you know, fluid movement happens within a missile. But while I was doing that, I somehow couldn't convince myself to kind of, you know, uh, permanently take a job in the same department where I could sit on a shop floor. So there was a journey where I was learning and enjoying these things. But at the same time, I was thinking about like, this is not something that I can do post my graduation. So I was kind of hustling to find out opportunities and uh, somehow, you know, luckily got into, you know, development sector or social impact sector. It was a mere coincidence where, uh, you know, one of uh, my friends told me like, let's just uh, do a volunteership in a, you know, a nearby NGO and, uh, we don't have to do anything. We just need to do ushering for the orphans, you know, because uh, there's this non-profit organization which is conducting a dance and music festival with them. I sort of said no, uh, you know, considering I was playing tennis at that time and I was like, like I don't want to kind of, you know, waste my time over there. 
but you know cutting the long story short it changed everything for me i he somehow cajoled me to kind of go there be with him and uh, the moment i kind of stepped in it i could see a different sort of energy uh, in the entire you know room with full of you know these children they were so happy mm-hmm. and everybody knew that where they're coming from and what their daily circumstances are but irrespective of that they were like fully in the moment enjoying everything happened to talk to a lot of you know kids at that point in time and uh, figured that there are a lot of people who wants to kind of you know become engineers uh, and specifically there's one kid who wants to become a mechanical engineer and uh, over here i was thinking of not kind of you know using my mechanical engineering degree to kind of get a job so i felt a bit bad and somehow felt that that's one of the space that i want to explore uh, where i can help people to get empowered and that's how my social entrepreneurship journey began uh, where i started off by setting up in actors in my college uh, ran multiple projects from project nayo jala where we did 80000 installation of solar water bulbs which acts as an incandescent bulb uh, in the slum areas which helps us out to kind of you know uh, get recognized by unilever north america team and they made a documentary on us so it helps us to substantially kind of you know uh, get deeper into the sector so i started another non profit organization stayed out of college uh, you know primarily helping uh, people at the bottom of the pyramid and getting them uh, socially and financially included and simultaneously providing them financial literacy uh where i did uh, you know uh, train more than 1 lakh plus people in north and south india uh with the team of 40 plus people you know uh, we helped them to kind of get the bank accounts we helped them to get the aadhar cards you know through the uida introduction model so that was very you know good experience that i had and wanted to kind of continue there at that but again uh, you know there was a shift in the government bjp came in power in 2014 and they came up with their own janthan yojana which somehow couldn't fit into our existing plans and uh, we have to stop our operations so we continued providing financial literacy but couldn't continue you know uh, uh, opening up bank accounts and doing the aadhar card because they also demolished uida back in the day uh, so i continued my career into social uh, impact sector by doing couple of global fellowships based out of uh, georgia atlanta and us uh, liverpool uk also represented uh, myself uh, you know as an indian ambassador to un for sustainable development goal number 1 and uh, post that i joined a health tech startup based out of san francisco uh, and started the india operations did that till about 2016 uh, but then figured that you know what's next for me so i pivoted my career which was a long shot but i you know somehow managed to you know get a job at an investment bank and moved back to delhi you know where i'm originally from and uh, you know did investment banking for about uh, two and a half years primarily you know looking into mna mergers and acquisitions and uh, raising funds for large businesses uh, in diversified industrial products and uh, automotive sector uh, after doing the job for two and a half years i felt that you know this is not what i meant to uh, i learned a lot and i'm enjoying it but i uh, i think i'm cut out for something else which is uh, business uh, so i quit the job and join the family business to understand you know what it is you know how the business world is mm-hmm. my family business is into trading of uh, energy products chemicals and uh, you know important exports that was the first time ashish i got exposed to road transportation and logistics as trading is uh, you know very very closely involved with the the road transportation because you have to deliver the material to these companies while i was doing that i you know see a lot of white space into the logistics sector specifically road transportation where there were a lot of you know uh, discrepancies a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, 
gaps uh, in the sector, you know, people weren't happy. Uh, so while I was trying to solve the problem for the family so that we could get the trucks in real time uh, with better rates, but eventually, you know, uh, got so much excited because of my inquisitiveness that I told my family business that after nine months in the business that I want to take a sabbatical for three months and try to understand this market even deeper and did that uh, and kind of, you know, tried out to kind of talk to multiple stakeholders pan India from small fleet owners to transporters to, you know, uh, brokers to other people who were involved in the ecosystem from small middle businesses to corporates to, you know, startups. Right. And figured that you know definitely there is a problem. Nobody is happy, and everybody is uh, is is feeling that they are getting exploited in the segment. That's so, that that's why I, I kind of made a decision uh, that you know definitely let's just build something because there's an opportunity over here and it can be so huge. So I came back. Uh, I I said to my family that I would not be able to pursue my family business and started off with Crocnetic, which I'm building from last three years now. Uh, so my journey started in September 2019. Awesome. So that's so, that's like uh, the kind of a journey that we have done. Uh, so that's awesome, Aram. Um, uh, got the idea. I think very interesting, um, uh, interesting story. So when when talking now, let's talk about uh, Trucknetic, right? I'm able to hopefully I'm able to pronounce correctly. So in one line, how will you define what what problem you guys are solving? So Trucknetic uh, is Uber for trucks, Ashish. Uh, so if you ask me about one line, I uh, I can kind of just say three words to make what it is. Uh, we are a one-stop solution for all kind of trucks, uh, where we do provide trucks uh, for different use cases, uh, like uh, you know, within a city, like a intra-city movement between two cities, like intercity movement, interstate movement. We do provide full truck load, part truck load, small trucks to large trucks. We cater to uh, an individual, to a corporate, and anybody in between as well. So, Ashish, we are Uber for trucks. We are not a transportation company. We are a platform where we are, uh, you know, matching okay. both the carriers and shippers. And so, uh, and what is your business the model currently? Uh, uh, can it be classified? So it's marketplace, right? So, what's the business model? For both the front loads and return loads, where at the back end we are using high-end technologies such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, and other automation softwares. Right. And what's your business model, Aram? Uh, so when it comes to business model, Ashish, uh, you know, uh, we do make money uh, through, you know, three ways. One is through the transaction. Like, for example, if we are getting a truck at, uh, you know, 50,000 and we are selling the truck at 52,000, so 2,000 is the arbitrage that we do make money on. Uh, second is the commission model where, uh, you know, we do charge a commission from both our shippers and carriers to use the platform for metric cards uh, on the basis of the movement. And third is a subscription-based model where, uh, you know, it's primarily for the shippers where we do charge them a subscription fee uh, on the basis of the movement that they envisage in a year. Uh, there are different uh, subscription packages uh, with, on the basis of different commodities uh, from 1,000 metric tons to 20,000 metric tons in a year. So these are three ways through which we are kind of making money. Uh-huh. And if I understand correctly, I mean, logistics is a thin margin business, right? So how do you, how do you, uh, you know, uh, uh, how do you add a value on top of that sort of wafer thin margin business in logistics? Or my understanding is social. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, you're absolutely right, Ashish. I mean, like uh, the margins are thin in uh, 
logistics and trucking as well, which is a part of logistics itself, where we are focusing primarily. Uh, but you know what we do, uh, Ashish. You know, uh, you know what we are trying to solve at the back end is the problem of return load. Uh, what it means is, you know, for example, if there is a truck coming from Mumbai to Delhi, once the truck is unloaded at Delhi, you know they don't find loads back from Delhi to Bombay. So they have to take massive haircuts, which can be up to eighty percent, and at times they have to do dry or dead run where they don't get any loads. So they are incurring the same cost of diesel and overhead expenses for both to and from movements. But they're ending up making only twenty percent or even less, you know, for the back movement. So what we're trying to do over here is we are trying to, you know, match, you know, the return trucks with the right shipper, in a way that you know, uh, we can kind of increase the revenue for the fleet owners per truck per trip. At the same time, can reduce the freight to the shipper and can make good margins in between as well. So that's how we are able to kind of you know uh, increase our margins, uh, you know, and this is how we are solving the problem. And uh, last year Microsoft came to help us, and they have opened their Azure AI platform and uh, dispersed close to three hundred fifty thousand dollars in credit, which helps us to kind of you know do the demand forecasting, uh, you know, use the demand forecasting model rather uh, to solve the return pro- return load problem in a better fashion. So how so this is how we are able to kind of increase the margins because got got mm-hmm. got it. So how so demand forecasting? That's a very interesting topic. Um, uh, you the word you mentioned, right? So, um, uh, I had tons tons of people you know who have come from different segment, different industry, be it retail, logistics, or supply chain, and demand forecasting is a problem. So and from it's a problem. It's still an open-ended problem because the accuracies and numbers don't add up. What about in your segment? You know, how does it look yeah. like? I mean, does the technology truly able to serve and predict accurately what you guys want to predict in demand forecasting? Because from my personal experience and the people I've talked to in industry, it's still a complex problem, primarily because data is very limited. Tech is not there yet. And third is being it is just overuse of technology in the name of technology. So how will how will you defend these Correct. arguments or what what are your thoughts on it? So Ashish, you are partly right. I mean, like things are getting better, but uh, I understand and I echo with you what you have said. Uh, data is limited, uh, so it's not that accurate. But what we are doing is we have inbuilt a feature into our application, Ashish, where we are getting. You know, uh, the shippers to full, uh, you know, fill the intent thirty days in advance. We do have a Trucknetic shipper app where uh, the idea of designing the shipper app in a way that you know a shipper can put up an intent thirty days in advance, uh, because most of the movements are repetitive, Ashish, and you'll also uh, I'm like appreciate that. For example, if it's a company's uh, movement, they know when to, you know, uh, get the trucks within a month. You know, uh, or when to kind of. Place the trucks, uh, you know, for the outbound movement. So there are two kind of movements that happens within any company. You know, one is an inbound movement where they get the raw material or other sort of things into the company, and then there is another one which is outbound movement where they send the finished goods to uh, to the companies or to the customers or to the import and export section. So considering that, uh, you know, we do kind of you know understand the movements in advance. So that is one. Uh, second, uh, we do use historical data uh, through different platforms. You know, we do get data from you know uh, their historical movements through their you know uh, eBay bills. You know what kind of movements have been done through fast texts. You know, like how many trucks are coming where. So 
this is helping us out and then what we do is we are solving this problem uh, you know at at a very micro level to begin with what what it means is that you know we are uh, taking one lane at a time like if i'm taking mumbai to delhi then that'll be the lane number 1 and i'll onboard a lot of shippers both at mumbai and delhi and and also a lot of shippers in between mumbai and delhi what it means is that you know uh, that you know we are trying to form atomic networks one lane at a time so once we have one lane then we we would onboard another lane until the point we start getting uh, you know inbound sort of attraction onto that particular area and that's how we activate that particular area and that's that's how we replicate to you know multiple areas which helps us to activate a region and multiple regions can activate a particular state in a zone so we are solving the problem from micro level not uh, not trying to kind of solve the problem for the masses at at once so it helps us to kind of you know get a curated result and uh, we do you know effort in that particular direction so with that plus with uh, technology we are able to kind of you know uh, do it better and you know uh, that's one of the reasons why uber has become uber today ola has become ola today and they were able to displace millions of the world that's for sure so the world because the only kpi that they are tracking is how they can reduce the wastage of miles without fare and similarly what we are trying to position ourselves at the back end is how we can reduce the wastage of miles without fare got it so got in it. our model uh, ashish what we are doing is we also have you know a, a sort of a proprietary design model where it's not about you know sending the trucks directly from delhi to mumbai the example that i took but we also have an approach where we do have onboarded uh, you know a lot of msmes or a lot of companies in between delhi to mumbai what it means is like for example we picked up multiple industrial areas between delhi to mumbai like jaipur is one kota is another bilwada is another so what we do is we don't only provide trucks directly from delhi to mumbai because uh, if 100 trucks are coming from mumbai to delhi not 100 trucks will will going to go from delhi to mumbai so what we do is we do have a one stop solution where we do pro, uh, provide them the trucks from delhi to you know jaipur and then jaipur to mumbai and similarly we do have a two stop solution where we do provide them the load from delhi to up up to mp and then mp back to uh, you know mumbai so this way we are able to kind of you know manage the demand and kind of uh, try to kind of you know uh, match the you know return load with the front load got it with the with the kpi of how can we reduce the wastage of miles without freight so what are your plan arab now moving forward like have you guys raised any capital you want to raise any capital how does it look uh, so right now ashish we are in the midst of a series a round which we have started a month and a half ago uh, where we are raising 10 million dollars uh, which will going to give us a runway of about 12 months Uh, we already have got some soft commitments and have been getting a lot of interest from institutional investors. Hopefully, we'll be able to close the fund uh, by September or early October. Uh, so that's that's where uh, okay. it comes. And it how, comes does, how does how does someone uh, when it comes to our previous mm-hmm. yeah yeah please go ahead please go ahead yeah. No, I was saying like you know uh, so we have been bootstrapped before that, but we have got some grants from likes of Facebook. uh we have got some grants from uh, different award monies you know uh, also there's one grant that is uh, pending from government of india as well so but but yeah now we felt that you know our model is ready and uh, it can grow at the scale and that's why we are looking out for the partners now so sorry you were saying something ashish yeah yeah so funding is a very 
very fascinating and tricky topic right so it's in terms of how does someone go about if you want if you if you can share us your experience it's ongoing process right but still um how does someone go about mm-hmm. asking identifying valuations uh, identifying what kind of capital to raise why 10 why not 8 right and you know these are the basic questions which we do get asked a lot by our listeners so if you can help us navigate through this thought process from your perspective that will be great sure sure i think uh, you know my uh, knowledge of being an entrepreneur and on, also on the other side of the spectrum where i was a banker and see that happening on the daily basis i can give a, a, a true sense of how i think about it uh, so ashish first of all uh, first of all it needs to be very very clear amongst all the people who are starting company that not every company would require external funding secondly external funding is not always good So you need to understand what kind of uh, product or what kind of business you are into. If you are making good margins, uh, like if I'm doing a uh, hundred crore of revenue and making you know twenty five percent, I don't need an external funding. I can just grow at my linear pace, and that that'll be good enough for me. You know, uh, getting an external funding will not be something that will be relevant. Secondly. Uh, Uh, you know, uh, if you are doing some business which is for the masses, uh, you know where there's a very big tan. Like for example, in our industry, the total addressable market is around three hundred thirty billion dollar. That's where you know that you know you have potential to become a very big player. So that's where the investors do get excited about. Specifically, if you talk about the institutional investors, for them, they invest money not to kind of make you know ten to twenty percent margins off you. you know they are looking out to kind of get a 10x 20x multiple over a period of you know uh, maybe you know 5 to 7 years of rising so considering that you know uh, first of all any entrepreneur who is looking out for a fundraise or wants to kind of do a fundraise needs to understand this basic thing what what kind of product they are building what kind of sector they are in and what's the use case and uh, when it comes to getting ready for the funds i believe uh, you need to kind of see the fitment first uh you know you cannot just have an idea and go up out there in the market to raise funds because you're going to be uh not getting you would not be able to get a good response so a product market fit and i believe it's not just product market fit is pmff which is product market founder fit it's one thing that you need to establish before you reach out to the you know investors and then there are different stages you know after the pmff which is product market founder fit you need to go to you know the seed investors angel investors who can rely on to you know your the pmff and try to kind of you know help you out with the initial traction because uh, uh, you know angels are the ones who have a bigger appetite for risk when it comes to risk as compared to you know institutional investors uh and then once you get the angel investments once you have proven you know uh that you know the pmff that you have selected is good which you can scale you are getting initial traction then you can kind of raise the funds uh which can be you know pre series a to series a and and continue and then the process continues after that like series b series c till the time you do an ipo so that's the conventional process like but having said that i strongly believe that not every business requires investment and investment uh you know external investment comes with a lot of you know you know caveats i mean like it's not you know 
it's like a plain vanilla thing that you get the money and you become rich you know it's coming in the company there's a lot of diligence that happens you know before the money comes into the company once the com- money is dispersed uh, you have to give monthly weekly reports to your investors you have to make decisions along with them uh, you know i wouldn't say that you know your uh, independence goes away but definitely there would be multiple stakeholders then who would take a decision and it would not be just you so people should be aware of these things before they kind of delve deeper into you know getting the funds and that's very interesting aram so um so are you for funding or against funding <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, ashish uh, totally depends again uh, for me definitely external capital is really really helpful to kind of realize our dreams like for example uber for trucks you know it's like a thousand times bigger market than passenger vehicle sector i mean like with god's grace with everything good that you are building we can become 100 times bigger than uber but for that do you think we can do by ourselves no we would require external intervention uh, in terms of funding and the support so that you know we can realize that you know so so i am not against funding at all mm-hmm. but i having said that i strongly believe that uh, it depends on the use case if i would have been you know doing something as i mentioned before where i was you know i know that you know my tam is like 1000 crores and i am already sitting on a 100 crore sort of you know a turnover so i can grow 10 times and i'm making decent 25% net margins so i would would shy away from taking the fund because why i would want to give a piece of my business to somebody uh, where the growth is only from 10 to 1000 where i am already making you know like uh, 25% of 100 crores is 25 crores per month per year rather so if i'm making that sort of money and i know that you know i can reach by myself where i can keep the entire profit with myself so it doesn't make sense for me to take any external fund so so it, it depends uh, i i can't say i'm against it uh, uh, at all because i think a lot of good businesses have been built on vc money and uh, whether it's like of google facebook microsoft amazon or any other big company that you talk about uh but having said that you know not every business would require that and plus you are in the middle of raising capital so you cannot be for also or against i mean you cannot be against <laughs> anyway so so to to be honest i'm like uh, yeah uh-huh. so that's not something that i you know personally believe in i'm like hmm. you know our business model requires funding so even if i would right. be you know uh against funding i would say that okay, i don't mind that <laughs> fair enough you know you need some raising funds fair enough so now coming to circling back to now uh, uh, coming back to the topic so what is the aram what is the biggest challenge currently you're still facing in the business right i mean every business has their own set of challenges be it supply chain logistic retail marketplaces every business has their own challenges but it's typically you know up to founders uh how they tackle it or what are the priorities so from your perspective uh what are your mm-hmm. currently top 3 uh challenges so uh yeah ashish 100% you know there are challenges that uh, every entrepreneur has to go through uh you know uh sometimes it's more internal than external but uh when it comes to us uh, so there are multiple challenges first of all the ch- 
biggest challenge you know uh, which is also an opportunity for us is you know the market is highly unfragmented uh, uh, highly unorganized and fragmented uh, where 95% of the few donors own less than two trucks you know so so it's very difficult to capture the market if it's so fragmented right but at the same time it gives us an opportunity to kind of bring them on a platform and we know that you know if it would have been an organized market definitely our use case side would make, uh, would have made less sense but with the uh, you know the fragmented nature of the business and you know unorganized nature of the business it's helping us to kind of thrive so i think uh, this particular challenge that we do have is more of a of a of a blessing in this guys uh, uh, but definitely it's not an easy way you know because uh, onboarding uh, you know a lot of transporters and fleet owners is not a easy thing to do you know because these guys have uh, been kind of doing the business from last you know multiple centuries the way they are doing and you know it's very very difficult for us to kind of you know transition them to use a platform like ours uh, but having said that you know that's the constant uh, thing that we are doing where we are trying to kind of uh, continuously help them uh, out to kind of you know get onto a digitized platform because we have realized we have made them realize that you know like how easy it's going to be for them to kind of use a platform we strategically made the platform very very you know uh, easy in terms of for them to understand the idea is not to make them sound intellectual but to kind of you know make them increase their business so that can they feel empowered so so, so that's one of the challenge that i have second is uh, you know mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt so how do you uh, sorry, reach to them sorry how, how do you uh, how do you onboard them how do you reach to these truck drivers i mean do you have a physical presence is it is so, it a uh, lot of legwork uh, or digital marketing yes so uh, we use all the tools ashish one of the things that we have started uh, alongside with trucknetic is the platform called what the truck uh, what the truck is a section 8 non-profit company by the name of highway heroes india foundation so primarily what we do under what the truck is to kind of empower small fleet owners and the truck drivers by providing multiple services from you know uh, free health checkups to you know life insurance specifically you know it was one of the things which we figured that you know the truck drivers they don't get any sort of insurance if any mishap happens while they're on transit at time they lose their lives and you know at at times they are the sole breadwinners so it doesn't just impact them but the entire family which is sitting in a village and uh, working uh, you know functioning because of the money that they are so we have been trying to do that we also are portraying our drivers as highway heroes uh, they are the truly you know true covid warriors in a way ashish uh, because uh, you know they were the ones who you know uh, delivered the commodities the medicines the oxygen cylinders you know while we were sitting at the homes uh, we were able to sustain uh, you know during those rough period in last two two and a half years because you know we were getting the foods essentials everything delivered at home and there's a big big role of transportation and uh, truck drivers to play with so that that is one thing that we started off by really really helping you know and empowering the truck drivers and the fleet owners but it essentially helped us out to reach out to the large masses also you know to kind of understand them for the first time you know on human level you know by empathizing with them which helped us out Uh, to kind of you know onboard them onto our platform, 
because they they have kind of you know uh, loosen out they have uh, lowered down their guards they were more accepting except you know they had more acceptance towards listening to what we are offering so that's why you know in a very short period of 3 years we have more than 2 lakh free donors and 50000 transporters with us which gives us a visibility of around 1 million trucks which is 1/12th of the entire fleet in the country so that's one secondly definitely we do have team on ground ashish where uh, they're helping out the transporters and the free donors to you know get you know familiar with our applications we also have uh, you know very solid digital media team to reach out to both our carriers and shippers so we use that as well so there are multiple ways through we are through which we are able to kind of onboard our suppliers which are free donors and transporters got it got it uh, yeah please continue sorry i interrupted you the first challenge you mentioned about the uh, no worries uh, so yeah. so so that's one of the major challenges ashish the second challenge is also it's not that easy to onboard uh, you know shippers because you know we are a one stop solution so we do cater to multiple stakeholders uh, as i mentioned before uh so you know corporates is easy to work with but again you know we are not looking out to kind of primarily work with corporates though they are a part of our you know uh, portfolio but uh, it's very less in terms of percentage majorly we are focusing on uh, solving the problem for the small medium businesses ashish so these are a couple of challenges onboarding both carriers and shippers i mean like it's not easy because it's logistics road transportation is a primitive sort of an industry and people have been working the way they are Uh, but again, having said that, uh, things have been better. Uh, I believe COVID for us was a blessing in disguise because people have lowered their guards in accepting that you know uh, this normal status quo can be disrupted uh, because of pandemic. And uh, specifically during the lockdowns, you know both the shippers and carriers suffered in getting trucks and placing trucks through the conventional model, and uh, they are more accepting, you know, that you know there would be some changes coming in. and i believe us being there helped us massively to kind of onboard these people who are a little vulnerable because of the entire situation in terms of not them not getting the business or the business was getting impacted because of the lockdown and covid so these are the few of the challenges i believe uh, which uh, we do face in trucknetics specifically the nature of business that we do have but apart from that also you know uh, the constant challenges an entrepreneur faces is hiring i mean like uh, we are continuously looking out to hire more people you know but hiring is something that you know it's not that easy you know because uh, it takes time we 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 have tried out different uh, ways through which we onboard you know people our culture is very very different from normal conventional startups or different companies altogether we have a flat structure you know uh, we do uh, kind of you know uh you know have that sort of a model where you know uh, we are kind of making more entrepreneurs in the company but having said that you know uh, there's always a challenge when it comes to hiring and you know in logistics you require a lot of people you know from supply and demand so to onboard them you know you know it's not an easy thing to do you know considering everybody comes from a different sort of background and you know they come with their own learnings and nuances so, so that's another thing as an entrepreneur specifically when you are starting out uh you know in the initial years it's it's quite challenging but it's also fun because you have to showcase your uh, leadership style uh you know you need to kind of continuously help your team to get motivated on the vision 
I think so, so thing, these are a few challenges that uh, we do have. Right. And one thing I can add for sure is <laughs> hiring is something everyone has said consistently. So one, uh, so um, last question, Aram. So now looking back, you know, um, in, your, in your last couple of years, what's that one crucial or critical thing if you can go back in time mm-hmm. and fix it or would have done differently? What would that be? Um, Ashish, I have never lived my life in regrets or, uh, you know, I don't think I could have done anything differently uh, to reach where I am. I believe everything that happens in your life is for a reason. And, you know, uh, I 100% echo with what Steve Jobs also says that, you know, you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only do it by looking backwards. So everything that I've done so far in my career, you know, whether social entrepreneurship, mechanical engineering, you know, different global, uh, you know, uh, fellowships or investment banking, everything is coming handy while I'm running this company called Prophetic. Uh, so I, I couldn't have done anything differently. Uh, but there are definitely a few things which I am learning along the way. Like one of the things, uh, you know, I figured, you know, in last uh, year and a half or so that, you know, uh, asking for help is not a bad thing. And there are good people out there to help you out. Uh, you know, and in the beginning, everybody requires a set of good people. And it's not just in the beginning, but along the way as well. So I was less open to kind of, you know, taking help. Uh, I was trying to figure out everything uh, by myself with the, my failures and my successes. But now I've understood that, you know, you can reach out to people and they are ready to help you out because the world is full of amazing people who have experienced them, done them, been there before. Uh, so that's one thing. Secondly, one of the things that I've realized that not every, you know, thing you have to experience yourself and fail and learn. Uh, you can learn from other people's failures as well. And uh, that's another thing that I had been doing now uh, more uh, consistently as compared to maybe in the past. So I don't want to change anything about myself or reboot and restart or, uh, you know, uh, but but having said that, these are the few things which I've learned in last few years, last one and a half, two years that, you know, these are the things which helps you out to even grow faster. Awesome, awesome. No, definitely makes sense, Aram. And really um, interesting space to be in and wish you all the best and for your fundraising also. Thanks for joining us on Blitz Business. It was awesome to have you. Thanks, Ashish. Uh, pleasure is mine. Uh, thank you for inviting me to speak and share my experience, the one that I have. Uh, thank you for your kind wishes and uh, looking forward to kind of... Uh, meeting you in person and talking to you, you know, off record as well.